You're listening to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Ampliance and Clavio, um, hosted by myself, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers. Hey, today, mate. Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you doing? It's Friday. It's sunny. I've broken my back drilling holes in concrete today, which has been massively exciting. Um, right. So let's set up today's topic for everybody. Um, but firstly, thanks for tuning in. Um, thanks for our regular listeners for listening again. And if you're new to the podcast, um, we hope you enjoy it. And we'd love you to subscribe to get new episode alerts because we drop one every week. And we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple. Um, so today's topic is looking at some like trending or emerging technology being used by e-commerce teams. So we're not focusing on, on, on really big, well-established systems like CMSs, e-com platforms. We're looking at some of the additional third-party tech that people plug in to increase the capability and functionality set, drive better customer experience. So we're going to look at some of the capability areas that get investment, um, you know, newish tech that's getting established and who's using it. Um, what are some of the things we like about it and what we're seeing that clients are achieving with it and what the benefits are and where we have worked with some of them directly. Are there any opportunities for, for new features or anything coming down the road that's exciting? So we're going to, we picked out our top 10. We know that the technology marketplace is riddled with vendors. I, mean, I think the MarTech space alone is something like four or 5,000 at the last count. So we're just picking out ones that we're aware of that we've had direct experience either integrating or our clients working with where we've we've seen it in practice. Um, and if anyone has worked with any of these and would like to like add more comments, please do reach out afterwards. So with no further ado, let's crack on. Paul, do you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, my first one is advanced commerce, which is it's actually a broader product than just category merchandise and visual merchandising. So they offer search and product recommendations as well. But I'm focusing mostly on the kind of VM capabilities. Um, so, yeah, they're quite new, founded by or started by the founder of Attract. Um, I think he left a few years ago and then started Advanced Commerce maybe two years ago. I think we both know him, Andre. Um, but yeah, so I've had a few demos with them. We've had quite a few clients look at them. I think we've got one client implementing them now and someone we used to work with that implemented them a few months ago. Um, all good feedback. Um, and essentially, they support really complex business logic. They allow you to create pretty complex templates around the kind of base logic. They You can pull in data from lots of different places um and then they also allow for kind of blending of machine learning personalization and then the the kind of more manual business logic which i think is where some people tend to fall down um and then as i said they would they also do product recommendations and search um the main reasons why i like it so it's reasonably priced um so it's a lot more cost effective than some of the more enterprise players um they're pretty focused on shopify a lot of our clients use shopify and um again some of the other players aren't as focused on shopify um and then i saw that you had added in some things that you uh on your ones that you don't like as much so the only things that i don't like about it, so i'd like or not don't like things i'd like to see from them um so api implementation for shopify so that you don't have to go down the js grid route um and then also potentially like improving the ui a little bit um, but other than that, I've been really impressed with it. And yeah, like I say, lots of our clients are looking at it. And then I thought I'd add one other player in this space that I've been impressed with as well. And that's a company called Tagalus. Um, so they're uh, quite uh, quite similar, maybe a, a little, not quite as advanced, but they have the API implementation. They also have the ability to, um, for you, or they allow you to kind of create a set of logic and then apply it across multiple Shopify stores, which can be massive in terms of like, 
efficiency for teams. Um, and then Kimenex was another one that's uh, maybe, again, even slightly more cost effective um, and maybe not quite as advanced again, but still really good. So in your mind, what type of e-commerce business does this tool best suit? Well, that's the inter- yeah. Advanced commerce is probably more like I think most of them are targeting the mid market. I think advanced commerce is mostly mid market, but they they uh, work across different platforms. Whereas Tagless and Kimenex are very focused on Shopify, and they're probably more like SMB and then mid market. Yeah, it's interesting because um, uh, yeah, I, I I spoke to Andre from Advanced Commerce this, only this morning because I, I wanted he, he gave me an update on the the back end, and you're coming about the UI is an interesting one because I think there are tools out there where they might have a stronger visual design and branding within the UI, but I really like the simplicity from a, 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 the u- end user's point of view to use the configuration and building. And I like I like the hierarchy it's got of of, of setting like the, the, the core template for your merchandising. So basically your strategy for a particular part of the site and then build them on top of the logic so that you can always maintain your core strategy, but you can override it for specific situations like a particular customer group gets a different set of business logic that overrides the underlying strategy, but that underlying strategy then exists for everybody else who doesn't fall into that specific set of business rules. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting to see see where that goes. Um, but yes, agreed, that's a good tool. I um, think the about the UI was quite interesting uh, that we had on Slack, um, because yeah, I know what you mean, like, it's intuitive. I think... Um, yeah, it's always quite a, it's almost subjective with some of these like SaaS platforms. Like there's another one that I can think of that it actually looks horrible on paper, but actually pretty usable. And then there's another mm-hmm. comparison that I was mentioning earlier where like essentially you've got a really powerful tool, but the UI is really hard to use. And every client I've had that's used it has found it really difficult to kind of actually roll out features and, you know, like build out business logic. And then the other one is a lot more simple, um, but it's really intuitive. And then we've had loads of clients move from the first one to the second yeah. one. Yeah, what I like about it is, is knowing the merchandising teams I've worked with. If if a if you put a creative director in front of it, if the, or a, a you know a, a brand person in front of it, they'd probably be like, oh my god. But if you take a pure merchandiser who just wants to be able to effectively trade their site and control things simply, and do like one of the things I really like is the simplicity of being able to add ads into Grid. Um, being able to set up an ad and set the conditions for when that ad appears. So this is the kind of like hero content in a grid um, alongside the products. So quick and easy and so simple and intuitive. And I've seen other tools where it's much more complicated to add them, even though the functionality is really good and merchandising teams get a bit fed up with that. So that's what I like about it. And you can always improve the visual aesthetic of that. Um, but the the thinking behind the user journey, I think, was good. Um Okay, so let's go on to number two. So mine is Roomvo or Roomvo. I don't actually know which way you say it. So it's get.roomvo.com. It's a product visualizer, but it's specialized in specific types of product. So it's in, kind of for interior design. So products including like paint, floorings, carpets, and rugs. I know it because one of my clients is a rug company, and um, they're a premium brand with high average order value and low order volume. But actually, product research and product consideration is a huge part of the, the funnel. The time to purchase is, is much, much longer than a lot of high street retailers. And these sort of tools really help people to make better and more informed product decisions when they can't get to a local showroom or they don't want to go to a local showroom. It's used heavily doing product discovery phase. The rug company found that that people do use it a lot. So it's a core cool part of the, the product browser navigation before the product consideration piece. Um, it's really simple to upload pictures of your room. And actually the, the biggest challenge of these visualizations, and you've talked about this uh, and, and talked about a lot with me in the past, Paul, is 
and clients have said the same thing, is the rendering. How good a quality does the rendering look? You know, if the visualisation works and you can put your rug in a room, but it looks crap, premium brands run a mile. And I've, I've worked with other premium furniture brands, um, like Tom Dixon, where one of their concerns is the quality of the visualisation of their product. And actually, this does a pretty good job of rendering, again, things like the angles. You know, you take a picture of your room and the 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 floor's angling because it's, it's going away and getting the rug so it's not just squaring that. It actually tapers in the way that the, the room's flowing in the picture. It seems to hang, handle that well. And the product seems to look pretty good and you can like rotate it and change the sizing. And nothing's perfect visually. You can't get a 3D perfect visualisation, but I, I like... I think it's simple to use from a user point of view. It works on mobile, um, but the one thing I would say is there are a couple of elements in the UI that could improve. Like on, on mobile, sometimes the carousel where you swipe through the different products to select can bounce around. Um, and the one key thing it needs to, to make it better for e-commerce is smarter integration with the platforms. There's a view product, but it takes you to the PDP. It doesn't take you to the PDP with the size of rug that you selected to fit in your room um, it takes you to the generic PDP. You then have to reselect the size if it's different, which is a bit of a pain in the ass. And the quick buy direct from the visualizer, being able to embed that in the visualizer and run that JS in there rather than to jump into the PDP and then add would do it. But these are all things, I guess, that that, that are standard product roadmap management for vendors like this. Great. Um, and then my next one is Alloy or Alloy Automation, um, which is essentially like a no-code or in places low-code uh, automation platform. Um, so I've been semi-hands-on with it. I played around with it a little bit in the past and we've had a few clients that have used it. Um, but it's actually a really broad tool. So it essentially allows you to connect different SaaS apps or mostly SaaS um, solutions, but actually some other non-SaaS solutions as well um, via APIs. Um, um, and then it's kind of like a middleware layer. Um, and then some of those integrations include like Amazon, different CRM platforms, SMS platforms, um, email, e-com platforms. They've got some ERP uh, connectors as well, different free PLs. Um, yeah, and then essentially you can just, uh, anyone can go in, connect Shopify, for example, you know, connect Clavia and then build um, what is essentially a flow, define your triggers, and then off you go. And um, yeah, it's pretty broad. It can help to uh, automate a lot of different things that teams might be doing manually. Um, and I'm really intrigued to see where it goes, particularly around some of the kind of more complex integrations they're starting to move into. Um, so I looked at it more a couple of years ago when it was a bit more basic. And then I think they raised quite a lot of money about a year ago. And then, um, yeah, more recently, it's getting a, a bit broader as well. So yeah, been really intrigued by it. Um, you can also do things like push data into different systems and Slack notifications, all that kind of stuff. And it's essentially pretty similar to Shopify Flow, um, but outside of the Shopify space. So if you're a Shopify merchant, is there a reason why you would use Alloy rather than Flow? Does it give something above and beyond what a Flow achieves? Yeah, so right now it's got a lot more kind of connectors, I guess. So there'll be things like I used it. Um, so in the early days of Flow, I was using it to pass data from Shopify to another. Mm -hmm. But that's where I first discovered it. Um, yeah, and Flow's getting better all the time, to be fair. And, and they're kind of constantly adding different third parties and different, like you can do things like, in fact, actually, I remember why I first used it because it allowed for time-based stuff, whereas Flow didn't. So you could, you could like say, 
download something, delay it by three hours and then send an email or whatever. Um, or if something hasn't been done five hours later, trigger a Slack message. Whereas in Flow, before you can do that, whereas now you can do time-based stuff. Um, but yeah, there'll be loads of things you can do in Alloy that Flow can't, but Flow is getting better all the time and is obviously really well connected in the Shopify space. So it sounds like it, there's similarities then with, with Zap, Zap, Zapier and, and if this, then that. I think that's probably their biggest competitor, but again, like Zapier is even broader. Um, but yeah, I think they're probably trying to be like a more econ, a lot more like a more advanced, more specific version of. Um, yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Sounds like that we should get them on the podcast to, to talk through what are the most common and popular uses and what are the interesting flows that people have achieved. I think that'd be a great episode. Um, cool. So my next one, on to number four, is Mishi Pay. And this is actually, so we, we know um, uh, Fergal who, who runs Validify, which is a platform that, that helps people through like RFPs and platform selection. He talked to us about MishiPay and we're looking to get them on the podcast as well because it's quite an interesting platform. So I've not worked with them, but I've looked at them and, and discussed what, what they do and why and how it's working. So basically it's an in-store shopping or payment um, solution designed to reduce the need for in-store queuing. And in-store queuing loses people i mean there's there's lots of data out there i'm going to quote random stats but um queuing costs people lost orders because people give up when the queues are too long uh, example customers of flying tiger um so mission may have multiple products uh, a key one that flying tiger uses scan and go and uh, you know the case study claims that's um, that flying tiger has managed to achieve basket value increase of 35 percent of that so instead of having to wait around um, for a till space to be free, you scan a barcode, you're able to make that purchase directly through the app, saves you the time, really efficient shopping in-store through a digital platform. Um, I also think it's quite interesting because the, the potential for traditional retailers who don't yet have e-commerce presence but want to expand into digital solutions to be able to test e-commerce via that without having to invest in an e-commerce platform seems quite interesting. I'm not sure what the capabilities there that's definitely going to be one to explore on the podcast um i think the things i like is is the scanner going to create some existing back-end systems to access things like product data and then feeds into oms's so you, you don't have to change or invest in new hardware for it um it's uh it updates the store inventory as well so if people are scanning on the and buying on the app obviously that's got to be fed back into store stock levels to avoid overselling um, and then it's got a simple dashboard for store or e-commerce teams to be able to monitor activity. So, yeah, so still in the early discovery phases, but it looks like an exciting um, in-store digital technology. Great. And then, um, yeah, my next one is Cylindo. Um, so Cylindo is essentially like it does quite a few things, but it can kind of power uh, product builders or configurators. And then they handle a lot of the work around kind of building out different kind of assets and renders. So both 3D and kind of more like similar to what you, the one that you talked about at the start, they can do kind of like room shots and um, like lifestyle imagery and everything else. So um, yeah, it's really impressive. So they can do the whole kind of like 3D configuration piece with like inline visualization, like 3D assets, everything else. Um, and then they would essentially build like master assets and go and build out loads of variations um, themselves. So it's kind of like a managed service. Um, they're really good with the assets. So you can look at it on Heels, Loaf and Conman, I think have just launched it. Um, but yeah, really high quality, really well done, even though it's all kind of CGI. 
Um, and then, yeah, it's quite advanced around the integration. So they've got APIs or they have like an embeddable kind of builder experience as well. And then I think they've got a native integration with Magento. I don't know since I last worked, but they built that anymore. And then um, I also wanted to mention two other tools that I find really interesting in this space that we've been looking at with other clients recently. So uh, one of Kicks is a uh, solution that essentially does kind of 3D um, models and uh, kind of 360s and AR within the footwear space. And it's really impressive the way that it like snaps onto your foot um, and kind of stays there um, in the AR kind of um, when you're using the AR features. Um, and then tangibly is another one that used to just kind of essentially put products next to other things to provide kind of sizing context. And a lot of what they were trying to do was around sizing context. And then now they do a similar thing with like 360s and AR and they've got a really nice offering in the um particularly the watch space. So we've got a couple of watch clients and again, the asset can kind of snap to your wrist, which has been like the holy grail for quite a while in that industry. Um, so yeah, a few others that are good. Uh, and again, is this targeting the, the mid-market SMEs? Is it enterprise? Is it anything? I think that all three of these uh, probably started off more enterprise and then have come down market. There's some smaller retailers definitely using Solindo. Um, and then one uh, when our clients have looked at that, it's, it's not stupidly expensive. Um, and then tangibly, I think it's probably mid-market as well. Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, good, because I've not heard of one of kicks. So that's an interest. I'm going to have to try that out. Um, yeah. They started out as an app that um, basically it was like visual search or something like that for uh, sneakers, like really hard to get sneakers. Um, but yeah, then they've ended up broadening into this. But yeah, it's a pretty cool solution. It's one of the things I love about the technology space is seeing people pivot. Yeah, absolutely. With their product evolution. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Okay, cool. So on to number six. So I'm picking out just you know. So just uno.com. It's targeted on-site customer messaging platform. Uh, primarily, it started off for basket and browse abandonment, like exit intent overlays. The platform, as all these platforms have expanded massively, it's now, I guess you'd call it a customer personalization messaging suite. It has the ability to handle things like email and SMS as well. I've not looked at that part of the product. I haven't had a need to, so I don't really know much about that bit. I'm going to focus on the on-site merchandising and messaging bit because that's the bit that I've used it for. Um, I'm not going to look at the email SMS because most of my clients use other platforms like Dot Digital, Metria, Twilio, etc. In terms of customers, I mean, there's 133,000 customers because it's one of those low-cost, easy implementation tools. So it has a vast number of different e-commerce stores. I'm not going to try and list them all. Uh, but what I like about it, so I actually tried it on my own site. So I had a customer who we I talked into um, uh, trying to exit intent because they had quite a lot of longer product journeys where people visit multiple times and then dropping off and not adding to basket. So I talked through targeting specific parts of those user journeys with relevant like um, uh, messages, like USP-based messages, customer service-based messages, to try and entice people to remain in the product journey. Um, and they were nervous about the installation, so I put it on my own site. Really, really quite a simple um, like 
minimum code installation didn't have any negative impact on on performance now i will caveat that i'm not on a uh, complex e-commerce site so you obviously have to look at what impact any third party has on it um, but it was easy to install it was easy to set up the connection with ga google analytics as well and that's the really important bit because for these um overlays um you know to work they've got to be targeted they can't just be generic you know the classic where you go to a site and every single person gets a hey, get 10% off get 10% off and it becomes spammy and it becomes really really annoying and it, it can actually have a negative impact on the user experience so the connection with the analytics enables you to micro target people based on very specific behavior so for example i started trialing where people had viewed a particular um, content page three times but hadn't downloaded or or hadn't um, requested more information with an overlay to try and nudge them into doing that um, I, I've worked with other clients in the, in the e-commerce space where we use that on product journeys where people on the second and third visit to that same product page we start showing different information to reinforce USPs to remind them of like free returns to try and connect them to customer services people to help answer any questions to reassure them so it's a really good tool for targeting like that and getting away from those horrible generic pop-ups. Cost effective, as I said, it's from $25 per month for the, the like individual or small business up to enterprise from $399 per month. You can do a free trial as well to check it out. Um, and they've they added a nice resource section where they share insights and advice, which is obviously designed to try and persuade you to use their tool. But I like the fact that there's kind of use case uh, and case study material in there. Right, um, and then my next uh, one, I was trying to decide whether to do this as like one or two solutions together, um, go off piece a bit, but um, I'll stick to it being one, is um, Triple Whale. So um, Triple Whale is like a reporting product, but they up until now, I'd say they've primarily been known as like um, a solution around kind of attribution, primarily around Facebook. Um, but they do have some broader reports. It's been built around the Shopify ecosystem. They've only been around for like 12 months and they're probably the fastest growing or like most hyped uh, third party I've ever seen. Like it's nuts how much people are talking about them and how many of our clients are using them. And yeah, it's pretty cool um, product. Like I said, it's growing really quickly, but they essentially have a server side pixel. They're focused on attributing more revenue to under-attributed channels like an understanding different attribution journeys and everything. Um, yeah, quite heavily focused on Facebook. Um, and then they do provide other reports as well. Like I know they're reporting around customer lifetime value and things like that now. Um, and then the other one that I was going to say, originally I was going to kind of combine the two with North Beam, um, who are also growing really quickly. And I think it's good to see tools like these kind of uh, popping up because they're both reasonably priced. Um, and in the past, some of the attribution tools that I've seen clients look at are like horrifically expensive. Um, so yeah, it's good to see these kind of uh, solutions becoming quite mainstream. Cool. Yeah, another one that I've not, I've not used. No clients probably heard of. So interesting. Thank you. Um, okay, so my next one on to number seven now is Hero, which I imagine quite a few people have heard of. There's a lot of big brands using it. So. It's like shoppable video and virtual shopping tech for to, to connect online shoppers with in-store sales teams. Example customers, Sephora, Ted Baker, Heels. I know, Paul, you said quite a few of your customers have used it. Um, I seem to remember the fragrance shopping we've had on this podcast when them mention it. I know they're, they're doing the in-store connection bit. But what do I like about it? So one of, one of the, the key challenges um, for e-commerce teams with physical retail is 
getting um, store teams on board to understand the benefit of e-commerce to them. Um, there are still uh, people who are very traditional in their beliefs and think that e-commerce is basically taking sales rather than contributing to the, to the overall uh, revenue and increasing revenue per customer. So the, the benefit of providing an online technology can actually increase engagement between customers and in-store teams to connect them with the sales staff and therefore help those sales staff to, to sell more effectively and also to sell to people who can't access a store or don't have the time to go in. That helps build the relationship between e-commerce and retail. But equally, from a, a customer point of view, they can connect to the people who have great product knowledge because retail teams often are some of the most knowledgeable people around the product. You know, They've had to talk to customers. They've heard what customers say and like and dislike. They've had product training, and they can be very, very effective at persuading, reassuring, converting. So there's obviously that that revenue benefit to it as well. Um, interesting, I think Ted Baker have, have basically talked about the fact that, that Hero is helping them turn in-store sales associates into brand influencers. So it's changing the dynamic of, of what an in-store sales associate is able to do. It's great for complex complex products. I know some of the AV um, electrical retailers are using it where you know someone's buying a a big um, expensive um, uh, modern television they connect to a salesperson to talk them through and answer the questions about you know, con- compatibility connections with existing home cinema systems etc so where guided selling is important part of the conversion funnel um, yeah and also um, the other the, the side benefit is good for prospecting and lead gen because the more people you can get from an online journey who are looking at product to speaking to a salesperson even if they're not ready to buy the ability for that salesperson to, to establish a relationship, capture that information and put that person into a CRM system and try and encourage that person to have a follow-up or to ask them if they want more information then to send it via an email that they've captured. There's all these additional abilities to, to increase the level of engagement you get with your customers. And I think, I think Paul, you told me this earlier because a few customers that the price has come down as well, hence why they've been busy acquiring new customers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, loads of our clients were looking at it at the start of the pandemic, and it's pretty expensive. And then they, I think they, I don't know if they changed their model, uh, but yeah, like the cost per store, and then the setup cost and everything else came down loads, um, which is good. And then they obviously got acquired by Klarna afterwards. Um, and then my next one uh, is kind of cheating, but I've decided to do uh, five uh, solutions that I'm either intrigued by or been impressed by. Um, so the first one is Inveterate, which is a kind of, it's, it's a loyalty program. It's from um, the guy that uh, not necessarily built it, but founded the company. It's a guy called Dylan Whitman, who started BVA in the Shopify space, like very, very well known. Um, and it's kind of positioned differently. So it's a bit more focused on membership. It's not as kind of maybe as focused on like kind of traditional tiers and standard loyalty. Um, their first uh, pilot example, I forgot what the site's called, is, is a paid membership program with like slightly different um, kind of uh, benefits to use than you'd expect. And um, I think they've come out to market quite interestingly. Like again, the UI and the reporting looks really nice. So yeah, I'm quite intrigued to see where they go. It's very early days, but intrigued to see where they go. Um, Rebuy is a product we've been working with quite a bit recently. So very, very easy to implement a kind of upsell solution. Uh, I think it's still only Shopify, um, but essentially like very easy to drop in uh, kind of their little like widgets um, into push carts. They actually do a full kind of, um, they do have their own push cart now, which is like very well optimizing the standard kind of D to C um, manner where you've got kind of like, you know, the, um, 
the progress bar to kind of push you to have more items to get free shipping. And like, then you've got the, the personalized product recommendations and like all machine learned product recommendations. And then they also have a slot natively in the checkout in the top right hand corner. And then they do post-purchase recommendations as well. And then they do also do kind of more conventional product recommendations, but they're more known for the kind of upsells piece, but yeah, I've been really impressed with them. We've had some clients that have done really well as a result of them, particularly kind of going into a peak a um, bit of an easy win type solution um, the next one is loop and happy so i think loop returns is the product that most of our clients have been really impressed with um, you know things like the exchanges um yeah various other features that they've got um people have really liked. um the only thing with them is it has it has often been quite expensive um and because it's volume based uh, some of our clients have ended up being quoted uh, a lot whereas uh, the next one i was going to talk about which is happy returns which again is, is pretty similar they can also do exchanges i think it's slightly less flexible than loop but um it's bought by paypal and that has resulted in it being a bit more accessible for some of our clients but we've been impressed by them but both of them are kind of like lean return solutions um small one that i mean not necessarily intrigued by but um i think will become really cool will become really good is so check out promotions in the shop advice space so post-purchase uh recommendations product um and it's um it was introduced by a guy called gil greenberg greenberg who i met recently for the first time um he's just super passionate the product's grown really quickly it's yeah, started out as a side project and yeah he's grown it really quickly and i'm just intrigued more as a result of him being so like uh curious and kind of always looking to do new things um that people haven't done before i think it'll end up doing really well either via that product or another one um and then octane i've put as the last one and i think octane uh, so you mentioned um guided selling or at least you said uh, guided selling earlier and I think that's obviously a massive trend at the moment. More people are using quizzes and binders to either capture first-party data or just kind of, yeah, that whole guided selling journey. And I've mentioned Octane because I think they, they're they trying to commoditize it. So there's other ones like Prezi and um, various other ones that are more enterprise that are trying to charge, you know, 50 to 100 grand a year for this type of stuff. Um, and then you've got Octane, which is much cheaper. And I think there's still various areas they can improve with the product, make it a bit less manual, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it is really cost effective and it is a really nice feature in a lot of industries. Yeah, Octane's an interesting. I've, I've had a couple of clients this year who basically been looking at that simply because of the, the cost affordability. And yeah. it, it, give, it gives them all of the fundamentals they need to do, to do some good visual um, quizzes um, companies especially a couple of the premium brands where they want a visual experience of customers to guide them through like lifestyle selection basically so then output products so yeah interesting you've raised that one um, right so we're on to number 10 the uh, the last but by no means least I've picked out Bamboozer um, there's quite a few of these these are live shopping platforms so a platform that enables you to to run a live shopping event where you you or you maybe you've pulled in a, a third party uh, like a celebrity or you've got a professional presenter are presenting um, uh, a series of products. It could be a new collection drop. It could be a new brand on the site. It could be just one single product doing an extended um, demonstration of a, of a like, high ticket item where people are watching it live. 
they're able to interact and then they can then go on and buy that product. Um, so the reason for Bamboozer is I had a few clients speak highly of it and uh, Fragrance Shop was one of the ones we had them on the podcast and they talked about it. Um, they use it on their site. And what I like about it is that, so you can have it on your own site. You don't have to go to somebody else's domain. So it can be embedded in your site, which is really important to maintain people in that user journey. It has a comment thread in it. So people can start chatting and asking questions as they go through, uh, ask questions direct to the presenter. Presenters can answer them obviously through the video chat or they can answer into the into the text chat. Um, and also what I think, you know, brand like the fragrance shops done really smartly is they've added historical events to the website. So you go to their live um i think it's a tfs live section and you'll have any new events coming up at the top but you've got an archive of all the uh, old ones where you can re-watch the um, recorded stream and the smart thing about it is it, it pulls in the comments as well so as you're watching the recorded stream you can see the comments coming in. so you get that that almost like live experience and then it can link out to products i still don't think these products are able to, to do dynamic add to basket from direct within the stream as far as i'm aware and that's the one bit where i'd love to see live shopping apps i've spoken to a couple of other providers who've got live shopping technology and none of them have been able to to, to say definitively that they can enable the execution of add to basket direct from their um, they're embed enabled to so that the customer doesn't have to leave to a separate tab. Often the journey is click on a product, it opens it in a separate tab, which is it's not terrible, but it's not ideal. So I think that's one area in this space where the seamless user experience from a shopping point of view could be improved. There may well be tools out there I'm not aware of. So I'd love it if anyone knows of one to tell me where live shopping video is being played. The product comes up the hotspot. You click add to basket and it adds it direct to your basket without taking you away from that live shopping page. I would love to know of one. So that's the end. Um, that is our whistle stop tour of like, you know, cool emerging, uh, exciting technology for e-commerce the use cases, who's using it, how, et cetera. We hope you found that useful. And we'd love to hear from everyone who's listening. What are your examples of, of newer tech um, that people are plugging into their core e-commerce stack that's helping them improve customer experience, drive better conversions, um, you know, get better efficiency for the e-commerce team through things like automation, like some of the, the tools Paul's pulled out. Do let us know. Um, you, know, fire, you know, Fire us uh, um, comments on social, email us. We'd love to hear it. Um, and thanks for listening. Keep an ear open for our next episode. We drop it every week. We'd love to know any topics you'd like to see us cover in the future as well. And do subscribe if you haven't already and give us a rating on Apple, Spotify or YouTube, please. Thanks very much and take care. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.